All right. Come on back to the sanctuary here. Welcome, welcome. Well, today is an awesome day. Uh, every Sunday is an awesome day here at Maranatha Church of Jacksonville. Uh, but today, as, as Pastor Brian said, there's a lot of great things happening. Um, I'm really excited to, hey, Donald Ray, excited to preach. I love, I love speaking and preaching and uh, just excited to do that. And so, uh, but I, I'm feeling really thankful and grateful. Um, thank you so much for uh, praying for me and, and for um, just having this opportunity to, to be here in a, in a full-time capacity and really um, pour out what I feel like the Lord's given me to pour out here at this church. And so I'm just feeling really, really thankful. And so thank you. And um, I love the youth. They're awesome. We have youth tonight. And we're gearing up for summer. And uh, we're excited. I love summertime. We have a lot of things planned, youth summer camp, and they'll be helping out VBS. And uh, we have a summer kickoff pool, pool party kickoff next Sunday night. So that'll be fun. Um, but yeah, we've just, I've just really enjoyed it. And so, uh, but let's get started here in, in Ephesians 4. And we will read this. I want to pray and we'll get started. So Lord, I thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. I pray that you would give us just the strength to do what you're calling us to do as a church, as individuals, as the body of Christ. I thank you, Lord, for the many, many years that your church has been here doing the things that you've called them to do and seeing the miracles and seeing your glory throughout this earth, God. And it's not stopping. So I thank you, Lord, that we are just continuing on this wonderful tradition of church and uh, keeping your mission going, Lord, until you return. And so I just pray that you would continue to fill us with power and strength, endurance, faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Ephesians 4, we have been in Ephesians now for, this is our fourth week. And so there's six chapters. And Ephesians 1 through 3, we've been saying, has been kind of split up into two parts here. Ephesians, uh, the whole book of Ephesians has been split up into two parts. Ephesians 1 through 3 is the gospel explained, kind of the, the doctrine, the beliefs of what Jesus did and what he accomplished through his life, his death, his resurrection, through his ascension, and through his outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so Ephesians 1 through 3, there's, there's prayers involved in there, prayers for spiritual insight, prayers for spiritual power, prayers for the believers. There's uh, chapter 2 talks about the unity of, of believers, of Jews and Gentiles. A lot of explaining going on in Ephesians 1 through 3 mixed with prayer, and it's all really encouraging. The whole book of Ephesians is very, very encouraging as believers as we read it. And so 1 through 3 is a great, a lot of information, a lot of great teaching on the gospel. And then Ephesians 4 through 6 is like the, all right, let's do this, living it out, the duty part. Let's, let's go and do this. As you guys were praying for me just now, I felt this like, I, all right, let's go. I'm ready, I'm ready to just start, start going and doing something about, uh, about this calling, about this mission that I feel led to do. I, let's, let's go and do it. Do you, ever, do you ever feel that as a believer? Do you ever feel this need and this urgency to just... I just got to go and do something. I got to go tell somebody about the Lord. I got to go tell something, tell somebody about what the Lord's doing in my life. And so Ephesians 4 through 6 is that duty part, the living it out, living out the gospel in your everyday life. And so Ephesians 4 is one of those chapters that really stands out to me in the New Testament. There's a few of them that just really stand out where it's like, 
this is so clear of how to live out the gospel. Ephesians 4 is one of those chapters where it just explains, what do I do? How do I do this thing called gospel living? Well, Ephesians 4 explains it. Another chapter, Colossians 3, very similar. Colossians and Ephesians are very similar in the way they're written. Colossians 3 is another one of those chapters where it's like real practical. Romans 12 is another one of those chapters that just really lays it all out for you. And so Ephesians 4 through 6 is living it out. I also uh, kind of explain it this way, two parts, same thing here. Ephesians 1 through 3, for God so loved the world. And Ephesians 4 through 6 is the go into all the world. Can you see the kind of difference there in those two two scriptures there, famous scriptures, go into all the world. So Ephesians 1 through 3 is talking about the love of God and explaining it to us, how much he loves us, how much he loves the world. And you're like, all right, that's a really great message to hear. Thank you, God, for loving me. Ephesians 4 through 6 is, all right, now go into all the world and do as Jesus did. And so today uh, I want to read through Ephesians 4. And then just encourage you to read Ephesians 4 on your own because there's so much here in this chapter that we could talk about and spend a lot of time talking about. But Ephesians 4 wasn't necessarily written for us to just sit up here and talk about. Ephesians 4 was written for us to actually live it out. And so my job and purpose today is is just just to point some things out in Ephesians 4 and to get us excited to to go and live it out. And so you should feel a little bit on the, hopefully on the edge of your seat a little bit in that way of like, stop talking and just go and go and do, like, let's go and do this thing. You know, you ever get around somebody that just talks a lot and you're just like, you sit there and you don't feel like you could really get a word in. You're like, okay, like, can I go now? Like, I want to be released from this conversation. So hopefully that's not how it feels this morning, but in a good way where it's like the Holy Spirit is, is, is attaching himself to you and filling you with that power and that strength and that boldness to be like, all right, let's, I want to go and do that. And so I'm going to read a little bit, pause and talk about some things and then read some more. All right. Sound good. So let's read Ephesians four. I want to read uh, one through six and pause just there. Ephesians 4, and I ask that you all uh, open up your scriptures. I see you guys have those books open. Good, taking notes. Open up and just, let's just go go through it together. And and I want to point out just a few things, but I want you to to really look look into it for yourself to know where it is, because you're going to need to read Ephesians 4 on your own for the rest of your life. All right, so let's, uh, let's know where it's at, and we can work through this together this morning. Therefore, I, Paul, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace, for there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future, There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God, and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. I want to pause right there. So first of all, when you read Ephesians 4, you see a word, therefore. And so in biblical study, we ask the question, therefore, what is it therefore? What is the connection between this word therefore and the previous chapters before this. And so that's that word that connects Ephesians 1 through 3, the gospel explained, 
And Ephesians 4 through 6, therefore, now that you know what the gospel is saying, Ephesians 1 through 3, therefore, go and actually live it out. Go and do that. And so Paul, he's saying, I am a prisoner, number one, for, for serving the Lord, for actually doing something. And um, the, the, the Roman Empire uh, saw something that I was doing that uh, was, was not a what, or actually the, the Jewish people uh, saw something that Paul was doing. And they said, hey, you can't do that. You can't bring Gentiles into the temple. Um, so you're going to have to be in prison for that. And so Paul physically is in a prison right now writing this. But there's also another kind of meaning here of, of prisoner of the Lord in this way that he feels almost captured, right, by this uh, mission of, that Jesus has him on. He's, he's captured by it, that he can't get away from it. And this is the gripping feeling that I want you to all feel, and it's not something I can really try to talk about for you. you you've got to experience it for yourself, where it's this urgency, this gripping feeling, I've got to go do, I got to serve the Lord. I got to go and do this thing called gospel living. And so Paul felt that and he explained it in that way of, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. I can't get away from this life. Even if I'm trying to, the gospel is so inviting. It's so encouraging. It's so much my life now. I can't get away from it. And I want you all to experience that same thing where it compels you to live a life worthy of this calling you've received. What is this calling you've received? It's the calling to love God and love one another. The great calling that God has given us through Jesus, where Jesus explains to his people, hey, Jesus, hey, God, my father, loves you, loves the world. Receive that, okay. And now go and live that out as well. That is the calling that we've received, but we've also received... Uh, callings as individual people. I believe that we have, have callings from the Lord as individuals that we work together in the body of Christ. And there is these callings that God gives us to, to live it out specifically in our specific lives and in our context. And so Paul's saying, live that calling out, uh, a worthy calling. And then he gives a couple of descriptions here. Always be humble, gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love, forgiving one another, and make every effort to keep yourselves united together in the Spirit. Remember, Paul was just explaining how there was a division and hostility in Ephesians 2 through the Jews and Gentiles where they were not uh, getting along. And so he's saying, hey, let's keep that unity together because we need to be united so that the world can see our love for each other. And so the Lord has... Uh, called me to, to I have felt this calling in the, of the Lord to preach the gospel, to uh, be a youth pastor. When I was in high school, I felt this gripping call that God gave me where I was like a prisoner to it, where I couldn't shake it. I couldn't get it off my mind. The Lord was like, hey, I want you to do this. I said, okay, uh, what does that mean? And it was kind of quiet. Okay, and so it caused me to really seek out the Lord on what exactly that meant. And so these callings where he, where he gives us usually start that way, where it's something small, and you're like, what was that, God? What did you say? And it's like kind of quiet after that, and it causes us to really seek out in his word what that means. And so ever since I was in high school, I, I, I tried to live that calling out um, worthy of the calling that God's given me, where I've looked for opportunities to preach. Even in high school, I was, I was preaching in my youth group, and, and throughout uh, college, I was, I was doing youth ministry still. 
And I, I just wanted to make sure that I was doing everything I could um, for the calling that I've received so that I can um, live it out the way that God wants me to live it out. Another way that God's called me into youth ministry is I've been uh, teaching at schools for the past 10 years as well, where I've, I've taught at private Christian schools where God's given me opportunity to live out everyday life with high school students in classrooms teaching Bible and other uh, things, mainly Bible classes, which has been amazing, where it's like I saw a calling one way when I was in high school that I thought it was going to be like this, like, okay, that's, oh, that's it, God, right? Yeah, okay, that's awesome, sweet. And then as the years go by, you, you realize, oh, okay, well, there's an opportunity to teach Bible at a Christian, I mean, that's not really a youth pastor, is it? But then I was like, wait a second, like this is even, I, I didn't even think about this, God, how amazing, God, that you called me into this and you gave me this opportunity that I didn't even think about. And it's been such a, a privilege to be able to, to speak into students' lives on Monday morning at a school, Tuesday, the next day, Wednesday. It's very difficult um, at times, um, but it's also, it, it can be rewarding. Uh, this past week, I got a, a letter that was sent actually here, I guess, because uh, the student, I don't give my address to students. Um, so the student knew that I was a youth pastor here, and uh, he was one of my students five years ago. And he sent me this letter here and a couple gift cards, and he's in, he's in college now. And it was a six-page handwritten letter and it took me a little while to read. But as I read through it, I was just amazed. He was like, hey, uh, now that I'm older, I want to just thank you because I realize how much uh, teaching is, is a thankless job. And so I wanted to make sure that I, I really thank you. And, and here's all the things that you did for me. And he listed out this thing. And it was like reading uh, a time capsule. I was like, whoa. Like he listed all these things that I said to him. And I was like, I don't even remember half of this stuff. It was, it was awesome. But it was so encouraging in, in to see that that um, something that, that God's called me to do where it changed this kid's life. And he even mentioned other kids. He's like, if you don't know, there, he mentioned one kid that I didn't think I made any impact in. He's like, this boy, he thinks the world of you still. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And so it's amazing that when, when God calls you to live it out and you just try to live it out uh, the best of your ability that, that God uh, does things through you. He's just looking for open vessels to, to pour out his Holy Spirit into so that you can live out the life that he's called you to live out. And so you all have that. You all have that ability to do that. And we're all called together to do it. We're called individual to different individual things, but we're called collectively. As he said, we're, we're one. There is, there is one Lord. And so I had a question, what are these things that unite us as believers? What are some things that unite us as believers? Well, Paul mentions here that we're, we're one body. We have one Holy Spirit. It's the same Spirit that works through each of us. That's unity right there. Uh, we have one Father who loves us, who's created us the same way. That unites us right there. The same Father? I mean, how, how much unity is that where you look at your brothers and sisters and you, you have the same Father who's raised you and who's uh, taken care of you, who's created you? There, that's a, a feeling of unity right there. Uh, we also have the same destination as believers. We're all going to the same place. We have a glorious hope. We all, we all win. We're all, we're all on the winning team together, right? That's something to, that unifies us. We're all winning this thing. And if you notice in Ephesians 4, 5 through 6, where he talks about these one, uh, the one Lord, one faith, one baptism, did you notice the, the triune God there, the Trinity in this? Now, the word Trinity isn't 
mentioned in the Bible, but we believe that God is three in one, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so here in this passage, this is where we get this doctrine from, is, is part of this scripture and, and many other scriptures where we see this trinity, one spirit, one Lord, Jesus, and one God and Father, right? You see that? So there's just a little, little tidbit there. All right, so we're all unified, and we, we see this uh, trinity of God, the Father, Son, and the Spirit. He's perfectly unified with himself in communion with himself, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he's showing us as believers how to be unified in this thing. All right, if you look at the next kind of section, uh, 7 through 10, I want to read Ephesians 4, 7 through 10, where it says this, however, okay, so talking about we're all one, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity, through the grace of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, and he quotes here from Psalm 68, when he ascended to the heights and led, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to the people. Notice it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now we're talking about Pentecost this morning, we talked about it, and I want to mention that again on Pentecost, is that what happened on the day of Pentecost? What happened uh, 10 days before Pentecost is that Jesus was ascended into heaven. So after he died, he was resurrected three days later, and he was here in his resurrected body for 40 days until he ascended back into heaven, and that's where Jesus is still today with a physical body. He's the firstborn from the dead. He's the one that's the only one that's been resurrected from the dead. And he's at the right hand of the Father right now. That, <laughs> that is where Jesus is, okay? He ascended there. Ten days later was when the day of Pentecost happened where the Spirit uh, fell on the disciples and filled them in Acts chapter 2. And here, right here, you see this ascension and what it, uh, what it means to us. Christ's ascension was for our benefit, we think, why, why did Christ have to go? Like, why couldn't he just still be here? Like, after his resurrection, couldn't he just, like, hang out on the earth and just stay with us? And I mean, how cool would that be, right? We would all be, you know, wherever he is, we would probably all be trying to get to him and see him. There he is right there. Uh, but he said, it's for your benefit, my people, that I go up back with my father. And we're thinking, well, how's that for our benefit? Like, wouldn't it be better for him to be present? Yeah, he is present through his Holy Spirit. That's why it's a benefit because his Holy Spirit has now come and filled each of us. We all have the same spirit of Jesus inside of us. That seems pretty beneficial, doesn't it? Where, yeah, we can still be with Jesus right now through his Holy Spirit. And so Paul mentions Psalm 68. And if you go read Psalm 68, it's this beautiful psalm of, of victory of the promised Messiah that's coming. And part of this promise of the Messiah coming is that he would ascend back into heaven. And when he does, does that, he would give gifts to his people, like a victorious king coming back from battle. And he comes back from battle, and all the, the soldiers and, uh, are wondering, hey, what, what do you got for us? Well, I've got all this that I, that I took from the enemy. I'm going to start singing. Took from the enemy's camp, and I 
took back what he stole from me. Oh, all right. So um, Kayla told me to sing this morning. Uh, I guess I preached, and I was going to sing a song or something, and then I didn't sing, and Kayla's like, you should have sang it. Um, so there you go. I sang a song. Um, but it's that same picture there, man, of, of him coming back from that enemy's camp and, and taking those things and giving those, those, that gold and those rewards to the people. And so when he ascended, he gave the gift of his Holy Spirit to us so that we could be victorious here on this earth. And so uh, this is a, his, his death, his resurrection, his ascension is all a, uh, it all points back, back to Genesis 3.15, where this promised Messiah would come and be victorious. And look at this passage in Genesis 3.15, where it says, um, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman. This is God talking to uh, the devil and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. This is a picture of Jesus coming down, descending from heaven, his foot coming and striking and, and, and landing on the head of the devil, right? But what happens there is that the, 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 the devil will strike his heel on the cross. He will be crucified on the cross, but Jesus crushes the devil's head in his descension when he comes down from heaven. He comes down and crushes the devil's head through the cross, which seems like, how is that? Like you died on a cross, but his dissension on the cross smashed the devil's head, even though he took a blow for it. However, it wasn't a blow that would defeat Jesus forever. The cross wasn't a defeat. It was a victory. And so then part of that victory is that he ascended into heaven. That's still the victory that Jesus ascended into heaven because he gave us the gifts of his Holy Spirit. In Acts 1.8, Jesus gave this promise, said, hey, uh, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then one more verse, this is right before he ascended was Acts 1.8, but even before that, before he went to the cross, he said this in John 16, 7. He said, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come, the Holy Spirit. If I do go away, if I ascend back into heaven, then I will send him to you. So Christ's ascension is for our benefit. And then we read in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, some more of this giftings of the Holy Spirit. How do we live out this calling? What does this mean? Can we, can we have some words to this calling, God? And so God's like, yeah, here are some descriptive words of what, uh, I, how I want you to live it out. And so verse 11 of chapter 4 said, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Okay, good. Be specific, Jesus. I need you to be, I gave you the gift of being an apostle. Some of you to be apostles. Some of you to be prophets the evangelist, a gifts of the pastors and gifts of teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son 
that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And so as a church, we all work together. We all need one another to help each other out in this thing called gospel living. We need one another to help uh, push us a little bit, don't we? We need each other to, to teach us a little bit. We need each other to, to use the scriptures and read the scriptures together and encourage one another. And so I have this question about this and, and church life. Do you trust the church? Do you trust the church? Do you trust what the Lord is doing through his people in order to equip you and to live a life of more holistic gospel living? Or are we trying to live it out on our own? Because we are very much individualistic people where we want to do this thing ourselves. And I got this. I'll, I'll just do this. Because we have had many people, and I want to say even times of different churches that we've been a part of, or people in the church that may have hurt us and, and hurt our, our feelings, or hurt, maybe we've had lack of trust in some, some ways. And we can all talk about that. And there's stories we could all share, I'm sure, of, of times that have been difficult to be a part of the body of Christ. Um, but we're a family and we're in this thing and we're, we're one. We have the same father, the same destination. We have the same hope. We have the same mission. Um, if some of us mess up, we're sorry. Let's go back to Ephesians 4, 1 through 2. Uh, be humble, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. If someone's messed up, they messed up, and, and there's forgiveness for that. If somebody's in the church has hurt, in the past, hurt you in the past uh, and, and never said they're sorry, then I'm sorry for that, and, and let's, let's forgive and let's heal together, and let's talk about things that have hurt and, and have been difficult because it has been difficult in the church at times. I understand that. I've got stories to share. But there's such a compelling... I'm a prisoner of the Lord for this thing, though, still, <laughs> and I can't get away from it. So even if you've been hurt, are you, are you still compelled to continue on with this thing called church? Do you feel that, that mission, that calling to continue on? Do you trust the church? Do you trust the church for, for teaching and for equipping? Do you trust the church for that? Or do we trust maybe Google for more <laughs> answers than we do the church Oh, yeah, you know, that's, I, I Google things, okay. Um, but what I'm saying is that uh, do we look to one another more often here in, in this specific church? I mean, because here we are, this is, an, this is a church, that a lo- this is what we call local church, right? It's local to our community here. We have people that we see. Um, you probably listen to other churches. I listen to other sermons a lot. I listen to other, a, lot, a lot of other places, uh, teachings around the world. But here is a local church where we have people that are trying to live it out in, in this almost a very similar context to everybody else. We're the same town that we live in, we're the same people, the same kind of activities that we probably are all part of. 
And we have flesh and bones living in front of us where we can um, call and we're, we're a couple minutes away from each other. If we really need to be with somebody, like, like somebody in our presence, you know, not just necessarily over the internet, but being with other people is, is extremely valuable still. That's not going away because the internet's so popular. Like we still need to be around each other like we're doing right now. So thank you for being here. <laughs> thank you for coming. And if you're watching online, good job. You're, you're as, that's good <laughs> too. <laughs> My wife's like, um. <laughs> but we do like you being here and being present where we can actually live out the gospel where it says, hey, lay hands on one another, right? Lay hands on each other. Let's pray with each Let's talk to each other. So um, when you look at these, this, I, we call it the fivefold ministry of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. We could talk a lot about this. There's a lot that, that's going on here. Um, and you're might wondering, well, wh- where do I fit in? What, what, what am I called to do? Am I called to be a pastor? Am I called to an evangelist? Am I called to being a teacher? And we can talk all about that. I do have one thing I, I want to say is that if you have um, children, if you have children or if you're involved with some type of, of ministry to kids or you're a, a parent or a grandparent or an uncle or somebody that's in charge, if you have children and you're a believer, then you're a children's pastor. Like that? You're a shepherd. And I wanted to say that not to, not to downgrade children's pastor. My, my sister's a children's pastor. Hi, Lord. Um, but, to, but to say that you have a responsibility as a parent to shepherd. That's what pastoring is, is shepherding. And if you know now, I have four wonderful little sheep that I shepherd like this all day long. Like, you know, we hold them and I pet them and we, um, and so I'm teaching them and equipping them and we're, we're teaching, they're teaching me a lot about things and I'm trying to teach them a lot about things. And we're there together in this house and doing things together and, and trying to live out the gospel life in our own lives. And when we make mistakes, we talk about it and we try to forgive each other quickly and not let things grow and fester, but we work together as a family unit. And so I just want to encourage you with that is that you are a, a children's pastor as a parent and you are there to equip and to uh, show them what it means to live out the gospel. They're watching, right? They're watching you. And um, I just want to be aware of that. And so as we look at this um, different responsibilities in the church, uh, like I said, it's, it's a, we're a team. We're in this thing together. I think about baseball a lot. I like baseball. And in baseball, there's different positions. There's nine positions on the field at, at all times. And they all do different. They're assigned to different things. They're assigned to the first base to get... Uh, to cover that first base. If a ball comes your way, you're, you're going to get it. Uh, third base, you know, outfield, you guys get, get those pitchers a, is a responsibility where they're getting the ball to, the, to the, the catcher and trying to strike out the other team. And so they're all on the same field, working together, wearing the same uniform. And one thing we talk about in, 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 you know, in the teams that I coach and things is that the, the name on the front is more important than the name on the back, right? The name of your team, the name of, of, of who you're on together, that's more important than just the individual, li- individual person because you're all working. If, if one player does bad that game, hopefully someone else will help you know, the team and they can actually win even if you do bad. And so at times, as believers, we might mess up and do things that are wrong, but there's a lot of us believers that are that are doing good and we just pick up the slack and hey come on let's let's learn from it learn from that mistake and let's keep going forward so uh the next part of ephesians 4 17 through 32 is 
just I, I want to briefly just go through it, right? Uh, not all of it, but I just want to say one thing is that 17 through 32 is this explanation of what this life in Christ looks like, a new life in Christ looks like. And so he's saying, hey, there is a new life you have, so put on the new self, get rid of the old self, put on this new self that you have been given through Christ and live it out. Live out this new life in Christ. Uh, Verse 23, I'm just going to jump ahead here. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ, God, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. If you guys, uh, somebody coming up for, for prayer. And so, like I said at the beginning, this section specifically is hard to just kind of talk about. It's, it's, you got to live it out. If you're, if you're telling lies, let's, let's stop doing that. If you're stealing, let's stop doing that. You're new in Christ. He has taught you something different than the old way of your life. So for me, in verse 32, it means a lot to me. Ephesians 4.32 is one of those life verses. You guys have those? Ephesians 4.32 was literally my verse that my mom gave me uh, where she put it on, like there was this plaque that you would buy from like Paxson Bookstore or something. And it said like, Kevin, you know, my name, Kevin, under it, kind one. That was like the meaning and I don't know if that's actually what it means, but, but apparently that's what Paxson thought that it meant. And so it gave the word Ephesians 4, 32 was that verse under it. And so I had this plaque hanging up in my room ever since I was a kid in my, in, in my mom's house. And it, was, and it was there saying who I was. And it identified me. You're, Kevin, you're, you're the kind one. Okay. And I wanted to live up to that calling that I was given. And so here's scripture in Ephesians 4 that gives you who you are as a believer, who you are as a believer. You're a prisoner of the Lord. As a believer, you're humble. As a believer, you're gentle. As a believer, you're patient. As a believer, you're forgiving towards other people. As a believer, you're unified. As a believer, you have the same father as other believers. As a believer, you have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. As a believer, you have these things listed in Ephesians 4. Now your job is to live out those things in your life. Are you able to do that? Are you able to... to, to Read this and live it out. So here's a challenge I have for us all. I don't want to just breeze past Ephesians 4, even though we spent 30 minutes on it. Um, It's a long time. But I want to continue living out Ephesians 4. And so here's a challenge for you. I want you to take Ephesians 4. There's 32 verses in it. So that's about, there's 31, sometimes 31 days in a month. And so I want you to take one verse each day 
and try to live that verse out. For example, verse two has a lot of things that we could try to be. Be humble. Maybe verse two, you might have to split that up into a lot of uh, days, but be humble and gentle. All right. Tomorrow is May. What's tomorrow? May 29th. All right. May 29th. Here we go. It's the day I'm going to be, I'm going to be work on being humble and gentle today. And I promise if you try that, you, you set yourself up in the morning, God's going to give you a lot of opportunities to, to live that out, right? He's going to give you a lot of opportunities where it might be some frustrating opportunities, but you're like, I'm a believer. I am gentle. <laughs> Take a moment and pray in those moments. As a believer, I'm gentle. And so challenge yourself each day to get better at this thing, because I believe as believers, we can actually get better at being Christians, right? Christ came and died for us, and we, we don't earn our salvation. I'm going to earn my salvation. No, we, it's a gift of God. Ephesians 2 shows us that through, through our faith, through his grace. But you can work it out, and you can work out in being somebody that's better at, at this thing and, and becoming better at living out the gospel life. So let's pray about that. Let's ask the Lord to uh, help us with that. So if you would go ahead and, and stand. If, if we have a prayer team, I know we have prayer ministers that would like to pray for you if you want prayer. And so I ask them to come forward now. And if you want prayer in any way, um, in anything for, for what we talked about today, then please come forward. If you want prayer for maybe this whole morning, you haven't heard a word that we've talked about because maybe you're burdened by something just completely different this morning and that nobody knows about. Um, we ask that you would come in forward and, and, and seek prayer as well for that. And so I want to pray, but I, I want to point out as we were praying this morning and as we were singing, I felt like the Lord highlighted this verse to me and I want to uh, read it and hopefully encourage us all to live out the gospel life. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus says that, hey, there's, there's a lot of people out there that need pastoring. There's a lot of people out there that need shepherding. He looked out into the crowd and he said, uh, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest, asking him to send more workers into his fields. Jesus had just spent a lot of time sharing with the disciples on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, explaining to them what the gospel is. Then in Matthew 8 and 9, Jesus lived out the gospel and said, hey, here's how it works. And he went around healing the sick. He went around helping other people and seeing the power of God flow through them. And then in Matthew chapter 10, the disciples were given the authority of Christ to go and do those same things. So here we have Jesus, our example of what it truly means to live out the gospel life. And we look to him and he's looking at all of you and saying, hey, I want you to have compassion on the lost. I want you to see that there is a harvest that's ready. I believe that we're entering into a season where there's a harvest of people that we don't even know, that don't know Christ, that are ready for the picking where we can go out as believers if you want to. And I believe that there's just such an opportunity right now in our community to reach out to people and to see them come to know the Lord. Just as simple as that. You going out, living your life for the Lord and people coming to know 
God, just as the same way that you know God and love God and feel his love for your life, there's people that need that. And so I wanna pray for us for that. So Lord, I thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for the example that you've given us. God, I ask that you would give us just the encouragement this morning that we need. Fill us with your Holy Spirit afresh and anew that we may go and live out this calling that we've received, that we may live out the gospel life in our everyday life. Thank you for this work. Thank you for these gifts. Thank you that you have trusted us with your Holy Spirit and filling us. Thank you, Lord, that as believers, as believers, we are no longer hopelessly confused. We're no longer hopelessly confused. I pray if there's any believers in here that's struggling with that, maybe they're feeling hopeless, they're feeling confused. I pray right now that you would just give them hope, give them clarity, give them understanding, give them wisdom. Let's just receive that right now. Give us wisdom, Lord. Give us understanding. Give us clarity in our calling. Give us clarity in, this, in the gospel. I just pray for uh, anything that's fogging our, our minds, that you would just get rid of those things, that we would see clearly the love of God, the love of the Father for our lives. We would see clearly how to live it out for you. Thank you for your scriptures that, that, that so clearly show us how to do this thing. I just pray that we would go and do. If you want prayer, come up and pray. Amen. By your promises, words you have spoken, desires you have placed in me, faithfully you will continue. Oh, you will lead the way. Peace, you. From the mountain to the valley, from the desert to the raging sea, from the silence of the city street, your presence always covered me. From the mountain, from the mountain to the valley, from the desert. To the raging sea From the silence Of the city streets Your presence Your presence Always covers me Plagued by your promises Plagued by your promises Words you've spoken Words you have spoken Desires you placed in me Faithfully you will complete Faithfully you will complete Hope you lead the way Hope you lead the way Peace you 
my strength At peace You'll be my strength To sing in the midst of storms Sing in the midst of storms And believe in your goodness Lord, from the mountain From the mountain To the valley From the desert From the mountain to the valley, from the desert to the raging sea, from the silent city street, your presence always covers me. Sing your presence. Your presence always covers me. You take me. Take me in, you lead me out. You take me in, lead me out. You take me in, you lead me out. Such a journey walking with you now. You take me in. Your presence always covers me. 